And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Good game. It was up and down a bit. Went through some lulls offensively. Um, I thought the defense did a nice job uh, throughout. Special teams for the most part, with the exception of uh, the field goal that got blocked there, you know, got tipped. Um, that, uh, you know, things were working pretty good there, too, on special teams. So, um, so anyways, with that, with that time, Bruce. Hello and welcome into the Athletics' number one Cincinnati Bengals fan cast. I'm Joshua Briscoe here with Seth Kaiser and Nate Taylor. Guys, just here to talk about our boys in the stripes. Who day, am I right? Who day, lifelong Bengals fans here. Go Joe Burr! Will they, will, will they wear, will they wear the all-black uniforms or are they going to do all the, the all-whites? Which, well, the fact that which, the fact that even that is a question is yeah. probably a pretty good sign that you should definitely go listen to hear that podcast growling if you're looking for an actual Bengals athletic podcast. I, I would recommend them over us here on Yes Removes Mask. We've been times ours all along. Uh, and as we record this episode of the show, we do not know what happened on Monday Night Football. You may, depending on when you're listening to it, you may be listening to this before Monday Night Football kicked off. But right. of course, uh, Bengals, Bills, Coming up tonight, as we record this Monday afternoon, Monday Night Football Bills Bengals is, no joke, the biggest Chiefs game of the week. That's not even an exaggeration. Uh, where if the Bengals win, the Chiefs reclaim the one seed. If the Bills win, the Chiefs still stay there at the two. Um, but the good news, good news? Eh, the news is that the Chiefs gave us plenty to talk about against the Broncos as well. Um, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I get some orange on somewhere before the uh, the game kicks off tonight, and then I'll resume my regularly scheduled programming. Look, I just want to paint a, a brief picture because I'm a, obviously I'm gonna be on my couch uh, eating some. Uh, this is the timing of this couldn't be better since we're talking about Cincinnati and the Bengals. But ooh, and remember everything that we talked when we talked about Cincinnati chili, the Skyline chili yeah, that one time. <laughs> hey, actually, we didn't, and that podcast episode doesn't exist. Doesn't Don't go exist. Look for you it. can't even find it. I go mean, cats. Um, my wife is honestly making chili tonight. <laughs> put that, put that bleep on some noodles. <laughs> what if, what if I, we stopped recording and I was like, hey, Holly. Baby, I'm gonna need you to. I'm gonna need you to get another pot out and put some water in. <laughs> no, don't even. Don't even ask her. Just start Just do doing it. it on the stove next to her. Don't explain it for a second. Just get a hey, pot, put some water in, turn that burner on, and then just wait for her to ask what, what on the earth hell you're doing. What the hell is you doing? Oh, hey, I know that crock pasta with this thing. What if I can add to it? Um. <laughs> Which is that born out of the Great Depression? Because that seems like a depression meal. Where it's, it's just like, it, well, it's a depression meal for sure. I don't know when it came from, but I knew that's even hearing people talk about say. eating it makes me depressed. I knew that's what I mean, it's say. my favorite food in the world. Go Bengals! Go Bengals! Especially when you can think about a really pretty skyline while you eat it. Yeah, because the famous. What's, 
What's better? <laughs> yeah, what's better than the infamous Cincinnati skyline? Hey. Well, my hometown <laughs> that I love. People travel from all over the world. And they say, where can we go in America that's beautiful? The mountains of the West? The beautiful oceans of the Southeast? Perhaps the historic areas of the Northeast? No, no, sir. I'm here to see the Cincinnati skyline. From now, look, it sounds like it. It sounds like we're we're like razzing on, on Cincinnati again, which I, I get really clearly today is the day we don't want to be doing that. Go um, I was born. Oh. I was born in Cincinnati. Most people don't know that because it's not true. But today I was. <laughs> all I, all I want to say is I'm gonna be on my couch eating um, chili and just thinking of every every defensive play. Just thinking of of Lou Emeruno. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whose name we know how to pronounce on this Bengals podcast. I mean, podcast. I mean Lou. Um, <laughs> shout out, shout out to 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 Ben Solak from the Ringer, who <laughs> informed me that people call Lou. Uh, how do you say his last name, Josh? I I know it to be Anarumo. I, I, I think Solak. Solak is a real driver of the uh, Big Lou, Big uh, Lou. movement, which I support I you, very I much. I didn't even calling this man Big Lou. What's his? What is his framework? What? What? what are we talking height? Are we talking? We talking with, but we're anyway. talking heart. We're talking. We're talking grit. <laughs> if but there's one with, thing I with, know for dang sure, I'm gonna be thinking of you know some of my favorite players of all time. You know, <laughs> Anthony Anthony Munez, 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 you know, Chad, Chad Johnson. The real ones don't call him Ocho Cinco. <laughs> and who can Boomer Esiason? I'll go on the wall saying top five of quarterback of all time. (laughs) History history was unkind to Boomer. Corey Dillon, top three running back in history. You can argue with your wall. You say Hushman Zeta. I say Say Hushman Zeta. Which, by the way, one of the best sports center segments. segments, Just bits that they ever did. And the fact that you became a really good wide receiver with a last name like Hushman Zeta. You actually got it right when you said it wrong the first time. Yeah, that's that's impressive. But I just know that I'm just going to be thinking about some of my favorite players. Like, can I? Can I? Fruit? Yeah, like Carson Palmer. You know, can I, can oh, I, I love you, Carson Palmer. Eric Bieniemy, in fact. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, can I give you a deep cut? Ooh, no one threw a prettier deep ball in the '90s than Jeff Blake. And I will <laughs> die on that Jeff hill. Blake. <laughs> I will you know, die on this hill. Willie Anderson belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's all I know. Actually, that's probably true, honestly. Um, so I got to think of something Man, better. Geno I... Atkins was Aaron <laughs> Donald before Aaron Donald was Aaron Donald. That's also true. I yep. fell in love with football when they went from Achilles Smith to John Kitna. I mean, right Ooh. that, those back to back. Got a little Gus Farad in there. Mm. That's when I learned to love the beautiful game. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll just look. When your defense is known by the coach more than the players, because again, they a bunch of red chips. All right, Big Lou, let's see it. Let's see it, dog. Man, you know, I got to say, I'm looking at this list of all-time great players here, and I am proud to be a Bengals fan. I've deci- I'm going to, you know what, I've decided I'm going to be a Carlos Dunlap super fan. Ooh, I love that. That's, I actually had some some conversations with a few Bengals fans um asking about carlos dunlap and like like uh joe goodberry who does a gr- good dude um and he good great Bengals. barry 
I think this is going to be a silly episode. (laughs) Come on, man. I'm just trying to make it through this. And he... He was just like when I asked about Dunlap, he's like, man, he's like an all-time Bengal, great player. Like, and he was so good there for years. I had to ask him. I was like, hey, I got a question. Carlos keeps doing somersaults every time he makes a play, <laughs> and apparently that's something he's done like his whole career. And so, like when he, because I don't remember what play he made against the Bengals. I don't remember if he bat. I think he batted a pass, which he's been known for for years, which he's done a ton of this year. Yep. Um, and he did a somersault. Like that was like painful for Bengals fans. He was like, he's like their like Tombahali type. Like just yeah, this, wow. beloved, this beloved dude, probably not quite Hall of Fame, but a guy that like the fact that I just said that, I'm gonna get some mean DMs from Chiefs fans. Look, we can't I put, love Tombahali. We can't okay. put everybody in, okay? Yeah, we can't team, put Hall of, team Hall of Fame guys, but probably look, not can't look, guys. Yeah. I, mean, that, look, I don't have it, to stand here and Defend if, my love of Tom Bahali. Who the hell do you think you are? Sorry, go here's ahead. The, here's the Mendoza line on whether or not you're a Hall of Famer at the defensive end pass rushing position. Were you were you Neil Smith or better? Because Neil Smith, not in the Hall of Fame, kids, and he won two championships. You know, since I'm saying things that's going to really tick off Chiefs fans, you know who's probably going to make the Hall of Fame out of former Chiefs defensive ends? Jared Allen. Justin Houston. Oh, no. Oh, no. I thought we were going to talk about Jared Allen for a little bit, which I was okay for. Oh, think no. Justin- oh yeah. Jared Allen's Jared Allen's walking into the Hall of Fame, right? Is he, uh, is he, is he, is he Neil Smith? I, is Justin Houston going to be a Hall of Famer? I'm cool with that personally, but I, uh, I hadn't really given that any thought, but he's still been pretty good at football after he was told he would no longer be good at football here or vice versa. Well, now, I know. I didn't mean to put quite an agenda on that because I don't necessarily think that's what happened. Once he no longer was wearing red, he was a great football. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that one, I honestly, I backed into a take there by accident that I didn't even mean to unveil. And so I'd like to go ahead and just strike that from the record and just say he's been good since he was no longer here. Yeah. Here's, here's the interesting thing with Houston. It just, I, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I am. So whatever. He's got 111 career sacks. That's a buttload of sacks. That is and more. That is more than Neil Smith, who has. Jared Allen has 136. He was he was passed over the first ballot um, as Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and Calvin Johnson were yeah, first kind of year players. Yeah, what you yeah. Said? yeah, even Jared Allen didn't vote for Jared. Allen. <laughs> no, I think he gets it. Jared Allen's parents didn't vote for him in that one. Yeah, that's you know? a tough. That's a tough trio to hop. That's, well, that is interesting, though, because he's 12th all time with 136. Uh, number 20 is Robert Matthews at 123 in pure sacks. You know, and with Houston, he, he lost a, a couple years of his absolute apex when he was at the height of his powers. And just on a, just a side note, I because, I, you know, we're, we're dudes, so we can just do the whole just name old. Dudes, yeah, name old old players. Players. we did it with the rolled Bengals for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just did it. Yeah, just I just Googling Bengals players. I I think people forget Justin Houston at his apex mm. was one of like the six best players in the NFL. Yeah. At like any position. He had like a two-year time period there 
where he was unbelievable. Because he wasn't just, you know, picking up, you know, 20 sacks in a season and, you know, that kind of thing. But he was also absolutely dominant against the run. Mm-hmm. And he was just unbelievably good. And you remember when he came and back? And he got moved team? around a little bit, right? Like, it, yeah. there was some some coordinator changes and it didn't, it didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter. And the really funny thing that I think about all the time now is that Justin Houston, in terms of build and play style, would be like... The guy you would build in a lab for Steve Spagnuolo's defensive end spot. So right, God. He's got length. He's got size. He's strong against the edge. He rushes mostly with power and inside moves. It's like, come on! And he will never, ever, ever, ever play in Kansas City again. (laughs) Ever. Well, what about them one-day contracts? (laughs) (laughs) He's more likely to retire a cult. Yeah, he's going to retire a, a Colt and a Raven, and he's going to put, when they do that thing for him, he's going to put on, he's going to put it in marker, not a chief. You know what? I don't even know if any of this is true. It's just fun to say. Anything that you know is slightly true, it's way funnier to make it completely true. He's going to retire as a Baltimore Indianapolis Colt. He's going to pay pay tribute to, to both. He's going to even get the throwback uh, logo on there somewhere. Well, how how much longer do you think we can avoid talking about the Chiefs trying their very best to throw up all over themselves against the Broncos? I mean, listen, I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into the to the pregame show Woods, but we did a podcast immediately after Chiefs Twitter had a re was in the midst of finding out some things about one of their own and <laughs> And I, I wonder, totally unrelated now, but I wonder if uh, if people can tell whenever we've had a long uh, pre-show meeting of just just kind of catching up and just having a nice time. It really changes the tenor of the show. I think. I think that we've had some real uh, some real I can do this podcast for these fifty-seven minutes starting now kind of days this year. And now the regular <laughs> season's winding down. We're we're catching a breath of fresh air, and we've got a little we got a fun energy back. You know, it's been good. Yeah, yeah. Unlike that football game, that's not even totally fair. It's just <laughs> look, mostly it was fair. it was on the schedule. They were contractually obligated to compete against one another, <laughs> and the better team won. So what are we talking about? Talk you to know, you. Talk to you on Thursday. That really, that game was so close to like turning into a not a laugher, but kind of whatever. And then you know, Chris Jones tries to call game on fourth yep. and seven. That could have been it. Yeah, and then the refs are like, ah, I think there was a hands to the face somewhere way away from the play. And I noticed, I never saw a replay of that, <laughs> of what it Joshua was, Williams did. They they showed it on the TV. It it was it was um, it, you know he didn't he didn't punch he did he did not hit his target. So I I believe the penalty was warranted. Um, and Joshua Williams acknowledged that by saying the f word. About 14 different times, uh, which I think caught one of the mics on the before the before the referee announced and he was like, hey, 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 you never know. I mean, maybe he was just making post game plans, Nate. Like, I don't understand. Wait a second. What? (laughs) I I don't know. I wish I hadn't said that. We've been already. Let's just move on to the game. I thought it would be funny. No, it was. It oh, totally it was. was. It was, it was, was. funny. Oh. I just, ooh, that was a, I just, whew. That was a spicy joke. Yes. I, that's in the confines of his marriage. I assume he's a happily married man. I don't know. So, <laughs> we know that. 
I don't know that any. I just it was. I didn't know Seth was working blue today. This is a fun one. Isn't everyone married with a couple kids? Look, guys, I have important news to tell you. The Bills have elevated Cole Beasley for tonight's game. Now they have no shot. Ah, late in the season. You know what? Every every jab, jab, uppercut (laughs) you can throw, you just go for it. Real shot in the arm for the defense, et cetera, et cetera. My man gonna oh, be throwing the Cole Beasley in third. We gotta have it in checks the calendar January second. Yeah, of because our he's Lord gonna have 2023. They gotta have this, and they know it. Here's man, look. If you're the Bills, you can't really. I mean, look, they came to Arrowhead and won this see? year. Can't you see? He's gonna guys. He's gonna have. He's gonna have a third down conversion today. There's no question. No oh, question. 100%. I would, if I were a betting man, and not just someone who makes filthy jokes on podcasts, <laughs> that would be one. Like, a third down conversion by Cole Beasley is like, that. that's so easy. But the Bills, they, they really do need this game. Although, I mean, you never know. The Chiefs might do something weird next week. But if they lose, doesn't that, aren't the Bengals only like a game behind them? And couldn't they, in theory, end up with the third seed if they're not careful? Or am I crazy there? Correct. Tonight's game is incredibly juicy um, because we all know, and I'm assuming as people are listening to this, they will know the end results. Or or perhaps you're listening during halftime. Uh, Anyway, Chiefs need the Bengals to beat the Bills because the Bills hold the tiebreaker for them to have a control their own destiny week 18 uh, against the Raiders. if the Bengals win and the Chiefs lose, the Bengals could somehow uh, sort of sneak into the one seed, which is also an element that I don't think people consider enough about, uh, considering that they also have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. So the Chiefs, again, must win next week against the Raiders on Saturday. Thanks, Roger. Um, <laughs> and not Saturday night. No. Saturday afternoon. Um, 3.30. And with that being said, yeah, the the Bills need to maintain uh, their position in the one seed. If they lose, uh, they could be the three seed. And also, they play a desperate New England Patriots team in six days. And if the Patriots win, they are guaranteed to make the playoffs. So um, you're asking Bill Belichick, and again, a one-game sample size, to just do some Bill Belichick crazy stuff. Yes, fighting for their lives. Yep. The Bills the Bills have had, I am okay acknowledging this, the Bills have had a tougher time down the stretch than the Chiefs. This, this has not been entirely fair for them. But they really, I, they need this game. You can't be the third seed because you're probably going to play the you Bengals. Would ha- you would have to go back there in three weeks. Yeah. You'd it's have crazy. Are they playing in Buffalo or in Cincy? They're playing in Cincy. Okay, so, so you'd have to, in theory, if you lose this and then the Chiefs win out and the Bengals then win out, now you're the third seed. And so obviously that, you know, you got to play, you, you don't get a bye, you don't get the automatic win. And now you got to go probably, if, if things play out by chalk, you've got to back-to-back weeks beat Cincy in Cincy, then beat Kansas City in Kansas City. That's, I'm not, the Bills are a really, really great team. Um, That's a tough ask. Those are two tough games and environments to win in a row. Yep. Lifelong Bengals fan here. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you, you're trying to take care of the... You ch I'm feeling a little chilly, guys. A little chilly from Joe Burr. Oh, God, you got to roll your R's. Can you roll your R's? I can't without sounding in a way that's really problematic for all okay. of us. Okay. All right. Well, then you know Joe what? Burr. Then I respect... That was... Well, that was kind of a purring, but that was fine. When I think of Joe Burrow, I just purr like a big old cat. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. All of this for the final score to be like Bills 31, Bengals 17. Like I know. people are gonna be listening to this and go, wow, this is crazy. They really went, they really laid all out for a team that lost by 20 points in a yeah. total fraud of a primetime game. Yeah, boy, but, was but, Seth willing to make a complete jackass out of himself for no reason this time. <laughs> but but dear listener, I ask you, in minute 1920 of this. Did we really learn anything yesterday? I have, that's that's the thing I've written down in my notes, Nate. Is did yeah. we learn anything from did this game? Did we really learn anything? I think there are a couple of things that I could reasonably say that we learned, but I am happy to go around the room. And if you think the answer is no, or you have an answer, I'd love to hear it because my I think answer, that is a perfect question. My answer is no. <laughs> I've I've got something. Oh, I've got two things. One, even Patrick Mahomes is not immune to the rules of footwork. Well, he sort of is. Even Patrick Mahomes is not 100% of the time immune to the rules of footwork because <laughs> poor to Marquez Valdez-Scantling's credit, he not once this season do I remember him turning around with his arms in the air being like, dude, now, to be fair, he's dropped some passes he should have caught, too. Mm. So, you know, that you give and you take. But Patrick, we, we've learned he can have three or four bad drives in a row. Now, I don't know if he was gimpy. I don't know. Whatever. His footwork was kind of lost. I'm actually going to be charting those snaps. Um, that's one thing we learned. Even he is not immune. I don't know how new that is. It was a little new to me. It was weird. You know what I mean? It also reminded me how spoiled we become because, like, he missed some throws that other quarterbacks miss, but not him. Look like, at his, you know look what? At, like, look at his stat line, one. Seth. Look at his stat line. Oh, Every gosh. other quarterback in the league would have taken that yesterday. Well, that's the funny thing. I because I was feeling like I was like, man, you know, Mahomes didn't really play all that well yesterday. Twenty nine of forty two, three hundred twenty eight <laughs> yards, three touchdowns. With one pick. And honestly, the pick was a pretty good play by Simmons. And the ball, like, I don't, the decision kind of bugs me a little because I think it was second down. But he's made that throw. He just placed it two yards behind where he wanted to. But that's that's a great stat line. And it's so funny to me. Although, you know, two of those touchdowns were Jarek McKinnon. Does that even count? Because all he does is score touchdowns. Like, <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, I have become convinced uh, could score touchdowns if I was throwing him the ball. And that's hard to do. By the way, I don't know what you guys were talking about last week when I wasn't able to come on, which thank you for everyone's patience. But I now have people asking me to write articles comparing Jarek McKinnon to Jamal Charles. And Jarek McKinnon has been a great addition to the Chiefs hmm. and is a, a really good receiver. Real, from everything I've heard from people that cover the team, he's like an aces dude. He is he is in my list of good dudes. He, he, he's been one of the more... Um, engaging players to talk to this entire season. And that was even before he went on this streak. But continue, Seth. Yeah. Well, and he's he's been great for Isaiah Pacheco, I think. Yep. yep. Um, and, and Pacheco, who is very talented, yeah, you see the strides he's making. And I think Pache I, I I think that uh, McKinnon has a lot to do with that. Um that that said, 
let's pump the brakes here on comparing him to Jamal Charles. That's not fair. Because people were like, oh, you know, he's scored this many touchdowns the last few weeks. I, Will you I compare think, it to the touch? I think the reason we did that, just so you have all the information, is it was about how many touchdowns McKinnon has scored via the air over this stretch. But he has now added two more. Um, ah. And that the, the, it was the most anyone had had in that stretch of time since Jamal Charles had five over a month or whatever it was. But the funny thing about Jamal Charles was oh, that four of them came in, from one game. It was all in that Raiders game. Four of them were receiving from that game. He had a rushing touch in that day as that well, was, I think. But that was where that was where that the comparison sense. ended up coming from of just like it ended up being a Jamal Charles love fest and the Jarek McKinnon love fest. Right. Because they've they've earned it. Gosh darn it. They've they've both earned it. So okay, that 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 clears things up. So I'll go I just didn't want sec- you to hold a grudge against me personally no, no. because this because slandering Jamal Charles felt like something you might hold a grudge over. I, Josh, the grudges I hold against you <laughs> are, are very few of them are professional in nature. <laughs> of of the of the dozens, that's fair. Um, so the, here's the second thing though that I learned in the Denver game that I think I actually learned now. The defense. I was trying to figure out how to frame this. The defense did not play particularly well against the Broncos the first time. Although they were put in really bad position because the the Chiefs turned the ball over like 19 times or whatever it was. And then against Houston, they kind of got a bad rap because the Houston's offense is terrible. But once again, they were putting some... Like Houston gained like three yards a play or four yards a play, right? Right, correct. And, And then against Seattle, everyone's like, wow, where's this defense been? And I was like, you know, the... They don't turn the ball over? Yeah, yeah. They've been doing some things right, like the defense, since the Bengals game, and to a lesser extent against Denver and Houston. But you saw them slowly tightening things up, right? A little bit better tackling, a little bit better swarming. I saw that against Seattle, and I actually saw that against Denver the vast majority of the game in terms of, you know, their run defense, outside of a couple plays, sometimes you just get got... But they they still look, they're swarming more, they're covering well. The defense looks like we're starting to maybe see some of that late season stuff that you usually see with Spagnuolo. The Texas averaged 3.8 yards per play. Yeah, I mean, come on! That's so bad! (laughs) That is so bad! Luck is luck. Things happen. I will say this, though. The final thing that I learned, and this isn't really a new thing, the Chiefs have got to figure out how to cover the middle of the field. Yeah, because I like Nick Bolton a lot, but he was like when he was one on one in space against Edmonds, I was like, well, that ain't going to work. And it did not. It didn't. You got to put your players in a position to make plays. And every now and then, and I get why they love having Bolton on the field for the things he does well. But every now and then on these like dime formations where you're going to be calling man coverage, and I don't care if it's a tell because you've got Willie Gay Jr. out there. Fine. Let them know. Because honestly, man, coverage, every NFL team runs motion prior to the snap regardless. So they're going to guess that you're running some variant of man. So just don't put Nick Bolton on a running back in space. That's not fair to him. That's not his skill set. So other than that, now that game, I, I did not learn a lot about the Chiefs other than they can still make me really mad. Yeah, I, I have two things that are basically those two things. One is that it, it was a second performance from the defense, looking like they were the aggressors, looking a little more confident, swarming to the football and meeting the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage. How the about rookie that? defensive backs tackling in space? All those things that we've talked about over the last, last week or so now. Just seeing it again was really nice. That 
that you can't prove that you're going to do it against the Bills by doing it against the Broncos. But gosh darn it, you did it against the Seahawks and the Broncos. And I'm going to take that. The other thing is not even about learning as much as it's about acceptance. This is who the Chiefs are. Like we we've got we've got like a dozen games this year that have some feeling of like underwhelming opponent, okay performance. They won. It's really probably what half a dozen games that have really really fit that mold. And uh, I don't think we have the right to be surprised by those anymore. Like I think we should be surprised when it doesn't go that way. And they're going to be special teams mistakes in the playoffs. Maybe it'll hurt them. The Mahomes uh, lack of sharpness post um, collision or whatever. That's a little concerning. But for the most part, this is just the Chiefs now. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, Josh, Devin Albertson says hi on Twitter. Oh, what's up, Devin? Appreciate you tweeting Seth during the show. Appreciate Seth reading it and passing it along. Also... I saw a tweet earlier that I specifically didn't read because it would have ruined the entire podcast and maybe Seth's whole day. Oh, no, please don't. I just No, so I didn't. I didn't. I'm not going to. But I just want you to know that I have restraint. (laughs) Meanwhile. um, Thank you, Nate. Something that we (laughs) already knew, but I guess we learned again or, you know, we just just confirmed um, the importance of the one seat is... um, you know, I I asked Patrick directly uh, if you felt like you were more inaccurate than usual, which all of our eyes seem to agree with. Was it a result of being hit um, late in the first quarter? And he said no, even though he hobbled off the field. You know, um, I was surprised he didn't get his ankle retaped, but you know, um, obviously played through it. Um, and if he wants to tell me no, then, you know, that is obviously his choice. You know, what's going to help him be fully healthy in the postseason? Go get that one seed. If, if Cincinnati mm-hmm. ends up winning Monday against the Buffalo bills, um, not just for the likelihood of McCall Hartman's future and potential effectiveness in January later this month, not only for Kadarius Tony's hamstrings, um, not only to prevent you from playing a game where the special teams is involved, but if you want the one seed, it would help Patrick Mahomes probably be a little bit uh, close to fully healthy as possible after playing a 17-game season where more than just about any other quarterback outside of maybe Tom Brady, he's taken the least amount of hits, obviously the least amount of sacks for quarterbacks who've played every game this season. So, you know, I guess, you know, it was, it was fortunate for the chiefs that he again had a stat line that every other quarterback in the league would have wanted yesterday. And that he, that there's potentially a chance for him to get a week off instead of having to go pretty much from, early November on without a bye week because obviously their bye week was in was basically the month the week of a uh, Halloween looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 US based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I also have kind of like a nihilistic view of this that we could very easily pivot to, which is just that this game doesn't matter and the Raiders game doesn't matter and the Seahawks game didn't matter as long as they win them because you're just trying to get that first round by. You're just trying to stay healthy and advance and you're just trying to get to the postseason. Uh, Nate, I feel like you have maybe led us the furthest down that path just by every question we've had about Sky Moore. It has has been on the uh, the December nihilism train, I guess, post post Bengals game were there were there any individual performances that you guys thought stood out enough to to merit remembering 24 hours after the game ended is Tommy Townsend gonna get this figured out or not no 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 this is they are this is they're gonna there's gonna be a special teams mistake he'll it will be his vote one will be Butker's one will be the line and they'll we'll have seven points left on the board in the postseason but the one that bothers me I think the most is um can Bucker get his foot on it on the PAT, yeah, uh, any kick, everything, any kick, yeah. like yeah, right, right. There was, right. I don't, I, I mean, uh, someone tell me if I I'm wrong, but I, but you're I, saying, hey, can we just get Harrison Bucker's foot on it, please? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. You, well, you can't score if right. that doesn't occur. Right. <laughs> and as I watched, not every point after attempt in field goal was him yesterday, but I'm pretty comfortable in saying Tommy Townsend was the only one that botched a, a, a snap. So, 
Like, not the, you know, um, one of the jokes that I made in the press box, I'll just be fully um, transparent here, was, hey, well, guys, it looks like the Harrison Bunker, Dustin Colquitt bump was for a week. They got a one-week <laughs> Dustin Colquitt, Harrison Bunker bump. And when's he going to talk again? Is he going to talk before the divisional round, before the Super Bowl? The, the the correct answer to that question is no to basically anything you ask, except if they're in the Super Bowl, I don't know how the Chiefs avoid it. So, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like any performance yesterday was, like, super-duper instructive because I thought going into the week, the most – interesting storyline or 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 piece of this would be hey McCole Hartman and Kadarius Tony back on the field again with MVS and Juju Smith Schuster and Travis Kelsey but that didn't happen because McCole had a minor setback on Wednesday. So maybe that happens on Saturday. Uh because the Chiefs have up until Wednesday to activate him or sit him on ice for the rest of the season because of his abdominal injury. That is now, I guess, Andy said it was a groin setback. Yeah, he on, said groin. That was the on, first time anyone the Chiefs Friday. had said groin about McCall Hardman, right? Yeah. So, okay. you know, um, it's it's obviously a different injury. Um, I don't know how much it. I mean, obviously, I'm not a doctor or a medical specialist. I haven't been told that it's going to impact one of versus the other that much at least not of at least not yet in terms of trying to understand how this is all playing out but obviously they're gonna test it out tomorrow tuesday and then basically they'll have to they'll you know they'll they'll have a decision to make before wednesday's practice more than likely um yeah i'm out of, i'm out of things guys chris jones he's really good patrick mahomes hey he he he, he can still play better than half the quarterbacks in this league while also being hurt to some degree. Uh, I mean, the offensive line was good. You know, Joe Tooney, I guess, kind of matters, but he walked yeah, on his that... own out of the locker room yesterday. Like, he didn't look to be in, like, a ton of pain. Like, he wasn't Clyde edwards Alaire, which was like, I'm in a walking boot and I'm mm-hmm. going to miss a month. Um, help me out, guys. I'm just looking forward <laughs> to Chile and Bengals football. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know... Chris Jones just finishes games. And so I wrote about him again for the second week in a row. Cause for the second week in a row, he finished a game. Like this is, this is what he does. And what, what I really like about Jones, how he succeeds is his timing is impeccable. He's just, he's so clutch. And then, you know, whenever I say something like that, you know, people's response is inevitably like, well, what about this game? It's like, yeah, look, Jordan missed a lot of game winners, too. Like, no, he didn't. He made a commercial Hmm. about it. No, he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Not in my mind. Not. No, no. I I personally don't recall ever seeing him miss one, but he said he did. And I'm not here to challenge the goat. I'm just not. So I assume if he said that he was trusted, plus you remember Steve Kerr, you know, he told him at the championship parade that Michael said he was uncomfortable in those situations. That's why Steve took the shot. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I remember it. It was one of the greatest championship speeches I've ever heard. When Steve Kerr did that, loved him forever after that. That was just And Michael just had to sit there like, you know, you know, I'm gonna punch you when we get off the stage. The thing thing with Mike, 
it was so funny because now knowing what we know about him now, he's like kind of laughing with me. You see, like, man, nobody <laughs> believes that, right? Like everyone knows that's not what happened, right? Everyone knows that play was to me, and I made a great play. Like you can see him just spinning there, and that's what's so well. Crazy. Based on his Hall of Fame speech, we yeah, we, he yeah, confirmed oh. it. He confirmed it years later. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. Oh man, he, he, whew, man, I hope he finds peace. Anyway, so. <laughs> The thing with Chris I'm going to start using that. Oh, he's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Seth, he's He's not going five piece. No, there's no piece. (laughs) So the thing with Jones, I mean, I wrote last week talking about multiple games this year that he made the final play or plays plural that closed out wins, right? That were necessary, that ended comebacks, etc. But it's also when you look at third downs. Even earlier in the game, because third down, the reason third down is so important is it's the difference between essentially a turnover and not a turnover. And I think one reason why we don't understand like some of the discourse around like going for it is people don't view punting the ball as a turnover. Right. But that's literally what it is. Mm -hmm. You are turning the ball over to the opponent. And so if you're someone who... I don't know, collects a sack on third down. Or let's say you don't even, you don't, you don't collect the stat. You force the quarterback out of the pocket and you force him to throw the ball away and they have to punt. You forced a turnover. That is what you did. But obviously people are going to look at that very differently from like a strip sack fumble where the ball bounced 40 yards one direction. And I get why field position matters, right? But it's forcing turnovers on third downs. And that's something that Chris Jones does. He forces the ball to get turned over. And that's why he's so incredibly valuable. And the the, the play I want to focus on, though, yeah, fourth and two, he, you know, he brings down Wilson. We can talk about, you know, the whole throwing him to the ground thing. Like, blow the whistle, ref, honestly. Like, we can talk about that. But the previous play, the only reason, and I was really glad the announcers went out of their way to talk about this. The only reason it was fourth and two is because one dude, made a play on third and five where Jones sees, oh crap, they're handing off the ball. They're trying to get a sneaky, easy first down to get close to midfield. And Brian Cook arrived, but he would have been a split second late and it would have been, I'm sure he would have knocked the bejesus out of him because Brian Cook hits like a freight train. But that would have been a first down if Chris Jones doesn't recognize it, disengage, make the tackle. Now it's fourth and two and you've got a chance to call game and he did. That's there's just unbelievable value in that. And anytime you can have a defensive player that half a dozen times a game makes a singular play that only he or a handful of other people could make there, there's incredible value in that. And that's just, it's something that I keep hammering because I really want to talk about Chris Jones, potential defensive player of the year. And I also think this is going to come up when this offseason people are talking about whether or not, well, do you extend Chris Jones? You know, he's 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 28, I want to say. 29. You know, what do you do with him? You know, oh, oh it's Tyreek Hill all over again. You know, all that stuff. And that's why I have to emphasize it as many times as possible. He's 28. 28. So, okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to cook for like two more seconds here. That's he's okay. 20- I got two follow-up Chris Jones things I want to get to. This, 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 welcome to Time's Arts. It's a Chris Jones podcast. 
And so I will just say he's 28. He's going to be 29 when next season starts. You can sign that man to an extension that you've got an out after three years, and he will be 32 and will be maybe for defensive tackles starting to come down a little. And then you're out. He's because he was, he must have been pretty young when he entered the league. Or no, his second contract wasn't that long, right? And no, so that's it's how you, a, it's a four year deal. It's just he's on year three and you gotta, you gotta cut it up and yeah, do something. And that's, and, and they're in a position to do that because 28 or, is not or, a bad or, time. Or, or nobody wants to hear this here or, or trade him and they cut, and then they cut it up and cut up. Right. And bring right. Something new. And, and that's, I love and that's why people think about Tyreek Hill. I get it. I get it. I get yep. it. I get the value, but jo- I want to, Josh. I want to hear your two things before I get too deep down a rabbit hole because you know I'll never shut up if I start talking about it. Here's my here's my first thing that's like the really metal one that I haven't seen anybody else come out with, and so this one I'm planting my flag in. It is so weird to be talking about Chris Jones this off season, maybe trading him, maybe extending him, whatever. It is so bleeping weird to me that that conversation started in bleeping November. In November, it was like, yeah, you know, he's playing some good football, but once they move him this offseason, this, this roster's really going to go to another level. We didn't do that for Tyreek Hill. That conversation didn't start until the offseason was around because people were acknowledging him as an important part of the offense. The Chiefs were trying to win the Super Bowl and highly seeded in the AFC. And so every single week around when Chris Jones has done something crazy or on a shocking week where he doesn't look like the only competent defensive player on the field, Every week, it's great play by Chris Jones. Man, think about what that could get back in a trade this offseason. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is just like one little needling on point A that I think just shows a lot of hand. You, you, you are putting your cards down by saying, I, what I think the conversation on Chris Jones should be in November, December, January, I think the Chris Jones conversation should be about what his offseason market is going to be. Find something more interesting. Like, Justin, can we enjoy it at all, please? I love the transactions. I'm going to enjoy this conversation in the offseason when we are talking about contracts and picks and value and team building and all of those things. But that's just been very weird to me. Any t- if, if you are a person who every time Chris Jones makes a play, you tweet something about how he he's either not that good or that this is the time to trade him away, I think you've lost the plot. That's sort of the meta one. The secondary one is one that we've talked about before and, and we've already mentioned in some form today and whatever. But the Tyreek Hill trade the logic of that was let's get a bunch of assets for the team going forward, not tie up all this money in a receiver who's speed based and, you know, aging comes for us all. But really, it's let's get as many assets as we can to kind of revitalize the rest of the team altogether, spend most of those on defense. And in the meantime, we think the offense will be fine with, with more middling ingredients because our head chef is Patrick Mahomes. Unless there are a lot of people talking out of both sides of their mouth with Steve Spagnolo, there is not a defensive Patrick Mahomes after you trade Chris Jones. You just Correct. take the mm-hmm. best player out and then Correct. you have the defense that you have. They didn't trade Patrick Mahomes to rebuild the rest of their team. They, they traded Tyreek Hill because they had Travis Kelsey and they had Patrick Mahomes there still. So I just, I, I have, my patience on it has, has been, as you may be able to tell, growing increasingly thin, not because I don't actually love these conversations and generally... I find myself in favor of make the trade while it hurts because it's going to to continue to prolong your window being open, especially when you have an expensive quarterback. I get it. I didn't want them to trade for Brian Burns to do the inverse of this. Mm-hmm. But Chris Jones is here for no further assets. It is a salary conversation. 
And the opportunity cost of not trading him is a couple more picks. That's great. But unless you're talking to me about a top five, top 10 pick, the players coming back in return aren't worth it to me because it's not being, it's not that you have uh, Quinn and Williams or whatever, right? And you're saying, okay, well, we can build around him and actually Jones is the beneficiary. Everybody on that defense is benefiting from Chris Jones. It is, and that is not an exaggeration. Everybody who has a responsibility to cover anybody and anybody yeah. who gets a little less attention on the line because everyone else is paying more attention to number 95. It is just, it is, it is gone from like a, yeah, I don't really love the, you know, the, the conversation here to straight up just being some weird behavior on how eager some people are to watch this defense without its best player. And frankly, the only player who has been like transcendently of note. And there have been some great performances from some rookies. Legarius Sneed's been really good. Yeah. I get that. But Chris Jones is on a different level entirely. The only Pro Bowl on the on the defensive side of, yep. the, of the of the team for the Chiefs. Um yep. I didn't plan on including Chris Jones in like uh, you know, my recap of the game for the athletic, because I just thought like Yeah, I mean like again, what did we learn? But then Chris Jones actually taught us something, I felt. Um, yes, yes, yes. From this, was this great. game, and so I ended the story on this because I just felt like, well, I, I, I kind of have to include it. It, it is, uh, it is my responsibility and duty for our subscribers and for obviously the listeners here on the podcast to learn this. You know, obviously we talk about Chris Jones from an athletic ability, from just uh, the quick pass rushing, while also, hey, you know, Chiefs run defense probably the best thing they have. Also involves Chris Jones. Um, something run defense is something people only care about when it's bad. By the way, mm. right? And lately, been pretty good. Um, been good, and you haven't heard anything about it. Therefore, my take. Yep. Uh, also, Brandon Williams kind of matters. Uh, so, <laughs> with all this in mind, we don't. It's hard to talk about line play that also involves intelligence. I find that to be one of the harder things to do from an analysis written, you know, statistical, you know, portion of all this. Cause like when you see a cornerback in coverage and they do something intelligent, you're like, Whoa, that is so cool. Obviously we can see it from the quarterback's perspective, receivers adjust the routes, yada, yada, yada. Um, Hey, if you're Barry Sanders, how'd you see them cuts before they saw them cuts dog? Um, <laughs> how you see it, baby. Um, uh, but Mitchell Schwartz is really good about all of this because he's just a super-duper intelligent person and can translate it for most of us in a way that most football players cannot. Chris Jones had his version of it basically yesterday, which is, hey, dog, we call on a blitz. Spags is like, of course we're calling a blitz on fourth down. Yeah. <laughs> what a stupid question. What a question. What? <laughs> dog, you asking me this? So Chris says, okay. You know, he hears the call from from Nick. It's a pressure. It's fourth and two, as Seth said earlier. His job is to be not in the A gap. It's actually supposed to be, from my understanding, he's supposed to be in the B gap. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's not supposed to be next to Frank Clark. (laughs) Because the way he explained it is, if me and Frank are on one side of the offensive line's protection scheme, guess where the offensive line is going to be sliding in protection? It's going to be towards us. It actually is a disadvantage to us because... Um, you know, it does not benefit George Karloftis as much if I'm next to him. And guess what? George Karloftis mostly gets one-on-ones unless there's a tight end involved. Um, 
Chris basically says, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I'm going to just be in this A-gap with Frank. Because I saw something similar early in the game to tell me if we line up in this manner, the center is my responsibility. Yep. And all Chris Jones is trying to do throughout the entire first half of a game, I think, is mostly take on double teams because that's what every team is supposed to do now. And also figure out how can I manufacture one-on-ones, whether that's with the right tackle, which he's been very good at this season earlier, um, or how can I get on a guard or a center based on formation, you know, the timing of when Spag wants to call a blitz, or, hey, and I, I, I know this has happened too, he's sometimes asked Nick Bolton, can you just be in the eight? Can you just be like basically a linebacker as a nose tackle? Because it at least has to ask the center to kind of think about blocking you or at least, you know, acknowledging your presence so that mm-hmm. it helps me get off the ball a little bit easier. Even though you wouldn't ask your linebacker to do that <laughs> if he's not coming. And then Bolton has to sometimes back out or they, you know, obviously they communicate on the fly. But basically, um, he's in the A-gap. Frank Clark then sort of squeezes down so that he gives Chris a one-on-one matchup with the center. And then, of course, as it's a blitz, it's I think it's supposed to be a, a five- or six-man blitz. It ends up being a – got to look at the replay again. Six or seven because Chris um, muddies up everything. And he was like, well, I can do that because I know if we're playing – too high quarters cover six. Like he just in the on the podium, he just listed off all these coverages, and I was like, I bet no fan thinks of this because like if he knows what the coverage is behind him and he knows the down and distance, he's breaking the rules because he knows the rules, mm-hmm. and you need a player to break the rules because it broke their rules, and that's why he got the sack. Yeah. Right. Well, he, sorry, my headphones cut out. He freelanced and was a problem. Is that what happened? Oh my God. I, sorry, I, got, I got distracted by tweet deck. That I, was. Oh my God! What a what a. Oh yes, that, ladies and gentlemen, that is podcast gold. I mean, <laughs> well, that that really is it. You know, he ID'd something there that. Sure, he's supposed to attack that B gap, but if he'd attacked that B gap, what that would have done with the blitz is it would have had Frank Clark more attacking the tackle because the guard is attacking, you know, is protecting with Jones. So then the free runner is the blitzer, right? Because you, you, you only have a certain, you only have a certain number of numbers to pass protect. And those, that blitz, which by the way, that's a new one. Haven't seen that one from Steve before. Mm -hmm. That was like, Holy crap. Is that Reed and McDuffie? Which, by the way, they're starting to blitz McDuffie. And yeah, they are. He's real good at it. Like, McDuffie, just side note, of all the players in this particular draft with the best chances to be a blue chipper, hands down, it's McDuffie. Um, it's a it's a, it's a five-man blitz with Mike Dana dropping. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> which, which, side note, shout out to Mike Dana, who has gone from useful guy that you want taking a quarter of your snaps to a dude that I think should be a full-fledged part of the rotation. Like, he's he's winning some of these one-on-ones on the inside, and he looks miserable to block because that dude never stops trying. Like, this him is gonna sound, Loftus, ugh. Yeah, This is going to sound kind of sarcastic, which I probably, that's evergreen for me, I guess. Uh, but I don't mean for it to be this time. 
the, the Chiefs defensive end group and maybe the defensive line as a whole has everything except for a number one edge. Like, which yeah. I mean to say that if if Carl Loftus and Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap and Mike Dana are basically falling in the what, two, three, four, five spots or something like that. Right. That's an, even even if if Dunlap or Clark, let's say one of them stays and one of them leaves his offseason, whatever. That's a, that's a nice little rotation you got there. It just they really it would be great if they could find another Bosa or what. But, you know. Yeah, you need you need another dude. One thing that I would say is interesting with Dana is where he's at his best as a pass rusher has been from the interior. Correct. Yeah, we talked about that in the preseason some. Yeah, and and it's it's really it's really shown up. I've had people ask me like, "Man, is is Mike Dana a lot more athletic this year? He looks more explosive." It's like, "Well, no, he's just competing against guards on the interior where those really heavy hands cuz he's very strong. Dude's mm-hmm. built very strong. He can hold up against the run from the interior as long as it's not a double team cuz that's, you know, weight weight is a big deal there. But he can he can bull rush from the interior and he's not exposed on the edge trying to close gaps and, and you know you know what I mean like that's that's just not his thing how many sacks last year did he ha- almost have where you know he kind of won to the edge but the quarterback just was like well I'm just going to kind of run around you and you're just not fast enough whereas with the straight line stuff with um being the inside man on some of these stunts with Clark especially he's shown a real a real knack for it so good on him, but back to your point with Jones, Nate, like the fact that he saw that, and so he knew, okay, with their rules, this center is expecting me to take the B-gap, and so he he's going to start off on me, but he thinks he's getting help from the guard. Nope. And when I destroy this man's hands and swim around him, nobody's helping anybody because the guard is busy with Clark and the tackle is going to say, Oh, thank goodness. I don't have anyone. And so he's going to, you know, try to protect the edge, which he's not fast enough to do. One of the advantages of blitzing these guys is tackles can't get wide fast enough. And there was going to be a gap there and he knew it. And that's why the announcer is like, how of all the way he'd phrased it was great. I don't know who it was on the call, but he said some version of how of all the players to lose track of, do you lose track of him? Mm-hmm. And it's because he made a great play. So it's about more than just, oh, he collected a sack late. He created that Correct. out of nothing. Correct. And that's so hard to do. Yeah. it's And by the way, for people that are like, Spags a good coordinator. Like, again, I mostly yeah. laugh. But it's like players and coaches, they have to they have to work in, in concert. And this is a prime example of that. Um, where again, we blitz it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's, that's all it takes. And there might be those moments, obviously later this, this month in the postseason. Um, but yeah, there's a reason why Chris Jones leads the team in sacks, even though he's double teamed the most, um, he's intelligent enough to figure out when to excel when the moments and the opportunities are there based on, what the opposing team is presenting from their offensive line and their obviously formation based, you know, sort of plethora of, of plays. And then what are we doing on the back end? Is it a blitz? Who am I rotating with? Who am I rushing with? Have I found the guy that I feel most comfortable winning in a gotta have it moment? Um, Chris has been excellent at that all season. Yep. Anything else we need to hit on the way out here? Uh, any, Anything other than our uh, lifelong Bengals fandom, I think we've covered most of the uh, the the things of no other than also Chris Jones just like having a very reasonable 
concerned about his ability to actually tackle Russell Wilson uh, for yet another Chris Jones thing. But man, he did it twice. And the second time they finally blew the whistle. And then he said you broke the news to me before the show that apparently Broncos fans are mad about that. I oh, can't, yeah. I got, I got, I already don't love my tone in the last 15 minutes or so of this episode, so I'm not going to be as mean as I want to be, but if the rule is that you just have to hold him up and then eventually they'll blow the play dead so you don't kill the fragile quarterback, and then you do that thing, and they don't blow the whistle, I might have tried to sack the referee. Like, right. that's, that's crazy. Chris well, Jones has every leg to stand on there. He He's yeah. made every reasonable point. When, and I know he talked about after the game, like, you know, they got to blow the whistle there. Because, like, Denver's coach was yelling afterwards. But if you watch how this play goes, Jones gets in there, gets the hands up where he can't throw, wraps him up. And what you would have done in the past before the falling on them thing, he would have driven through the tackle, right? Yeah. And yeah. used his body to drive through him because that's – you tackle through guys. But with quarterbacks, it's different. And that's why you're seeing more quarterbacks being thrown to the ground this year. Because they can't tackle through them. Because yep. if you tackle through someone, well, you have your body to deal with. And unless you can fly, you're in a bad <laughs> spot. And he knows he can't trust the refs. Even if he tries to catch himself, he knows he can't trust that. He's gotten two sacks taken from him on that this year, right? Yep. So what he does, he just sits there and he holds him and he holds his arms and he waits. And Wilson keeps fighting, which fair enough. They don't blow the they don't blow the whistle. And Wilson's almost got getting the ball out. What are you supposed to do? And so, yes, he whips him around. But the funny thing is, if you even watch the way that he whips him to the ground, he could have whipped him to the ground a lot harder. Yeah. And what can you do? You have to finish and the sooner. Play. Yeah. And so it, it was just one of those funny things to me that it, it's a really good example of how when you pull at one lever, it pulls at other levers. And the steps they're trying to take to protect quarterbacks result in other things happening because defensive players can't just quit. Like we've seen that in a few games where, you know, they, they thought the play was about over and then the quarterback manages to get the ball off. Uh, one of the reasons I'm convinced to this day, Mike Dana slowed up against Joe Burrow, one of the last plays of the game. He he gets in there quickly, but you have to slow up because you can't just launch yourself at the quarterback anymore. And so there, there's 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 results that occur to this. And one of them is quarterbacks get thrown to the ground more because players can't just tackle through them the way they would anyone else. It so, is one of the like reasons a, I think people are so frustrated is it just there's no consistency. It, it doesn't feel like the NFL has a plan of they, 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 like they've actually shown everyone. Here's how you want you to handle quarterbacks. It's just no, it man, it's, too arbitrary. It's, it's, it's all reactionary. Like, it, it sounds like a great sport to me. It sounds like just, <laughs> just, um, I mean, just, just, I mean, just soundproof all, all, all the way around. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just think these guys have really nailed down every, every detail and have, have been just known for consistency and, and reputable, um, you know, transparency. I mean, hey, you know, uh, but, you know, th- those guys have been, I mean, look, uh, if I have to see Skylar Thompson again, <laughs> Look, that's a sport. Like that's just this is just the sport that we've all come to to uh to 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 live with. So no, I don't I don't see any need for change. I don't see any need for I mean I mean the, the stability is there, guys. And if you don't want it, okay, there's other sports, all right? The stability is there. You get your arms around the quarterback and you tell him how much you you appreciate and admire him. 
That's honestly, that's fine. As long as they blow the play dead when that happens. <laughs> nope. We just keep. We just keep going. No, we just keep going. Is he out? Oh, is he's he out? still. Is he out? He's is he still out of the fighting. Guys. Out of the grass. Out of the grass. Out of the grass. Yeah. yeah he's, he's that out. that oh, play oh, wasn't oh. done. But when Derek Johnson destroys your world tweet, and drops the ball tweet, because he tweet. you like a car, then and you drop it and instantly. That's forward progress. I will never get over that play. I know so many great things have happened since then, but I will never get over that call. That is the worst. You know what? Nope, I can't do this again. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> Just my recommendation, off, my, my recommendation to Roger Goodell. Um, have, have tryouts. Just have tryouts. You know, mm. everything in the sport is, is literal competition. Except for the officiating crews. Like, you know, and I know there's competition right now because you're supposed to get the best of the best for the most important games of January. Even though Seth just pointed an example out where the best crew, or one of the best crews, you know, may, may have may have not um, had an optimal performance. All I'm saying is, is there is there any tryouts for the, for, <laughs> for the, for the guys? Well, I don't even tries? know how you would... I, I don't even know how you would have a tryout for a thing like that because it's an interesting thought because what I'm told is that every um, element of the NFL becomes faster and faster and faster, right? It's like, you know, you're, you're first when you come in from college and you, you're doing like your first padded practice. It's insane. Like even your first, yeah, you're just like, whoa. Um, and that's why like in first padded practices, oftentimes everyone except like the blue chippers get destroyed <laughs> that's how you know like like when uh when chris jones is rookie year it was like you know chris jones is getting the better of some of these matchups that's when you're like oh because that's not supposed to happen day one in pads day one in pads you, you just get worked because you're playing against guys that are so good they've done it for so long but then it's like your first preseason game it's like, whoa, like a whole new speed. Then your first regular season games, whoa, whole new speed. So I wonder how refs would even do tryouts for something like that. Because how do you do it with non-NFL players? Can I compare it to, to being a corner in the SEC? Hey, dog, you 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 a good corner. You're going to get targeted maybe, I don't know, six, seven times. Yeah, that's all right. You know, hey, you out there living in the Pac-12? Hey, do your thing. Do your thing, girl. Hey, you out here getting all these... Getting all these PBUs, uh, that's cool. Maybe the other team has an NFL caliber wide receiver. Maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. they've got seven of them. Oh, <laughs> also, when you get to this stage, that guy on the fourth string, he was better than all of them dudes on Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of them. Every How last many? one of them. All of them. Uh, all of them. All of them. So hey, maybe it's like that for you know, for the for the for our for our gentlemen who have the unenviable task of trying to figure out how much did he push Brian Cook, <laughs> and they're not supposed to be winning, right? So that it's, it's an unenviable task. No, it's not an easy job. I, I acknowledge that, but man. You gotta blow the whistle there. Although here's the funny thing is, imagine you blow the whistle on because we're Chiefs fans. 
Imagine Patrick Mahomes is, is getting spun to the ground and he unleashes some throw because we've seen him make some throws with dudes draped all over him. And it's some, you know, 40-yard touchdown. And the ref's like, no, nah, man, it was dead. If you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, so no matter what, it's hey. not a job I would like. Hey, you know, when you got, you know, when you saw in high school, oh, that's, that's, I mean, it's, they, they don't even have enough whites out here, but even I know that's, that's, come on, man. Come on, dog. That's, you pulled his face mask. And hey, <laughs> maybe you get to the Rose Bowl and it's nice and warm outside and everybody's watching and dang, it's New Year's, man. I don't, I'm out here refereeing the Rose Bowl. And you're like, come on, son, get your head around. Okay. <laughs> And then it's like week 12 in the NFL, and you're like, hey, what just happened? Yeah, yeah, They're moving so fast. Uh (laughs) Was that holding? I don't know, but somebody held. You got a a number? Holy smokes. How many yards was that? Where were they? How you spot the ball? What time is it? Did the clock run? I don't know, man. These dudes are so large and they're running so fast. <laughs> Did he have the quarterback in the grass? I don't know. My and in the, meantime, work. <laughs> in the meantime, you're trying to not get run over by a receiver coming through. You know what I mean? Like yes, yeah, so all while being on. 65 years old. Yeah. It's, I know. <laughs> it's not, oh, come on. Speaking hey, of, less than ideal would have been a pretty good name for this podcast. Also, we, we had some options. Uh, is that are we good now? I want to let you guys wrap it up here and, and give Nate the uh, the final word. But I just sorry, I'm I got distracted because I've been painting my face with tiger stripes. So oh, uh, if sure I well. if I wasn't sure. as engaged at any point, it's because I got some face paint in my eye and I had to get my <laughs> microphone and get it out of there. Uh, but I'm, this, I'm looking to. What if this game goes to overtime? What, just 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 what if? I mean, <laughs> also, I, what's the number in Kansas City? Is it going to be like? Super Bowl levels. <laughs> it's usually a playoff game. It, it really does. It's, uh, it's kind of fun. It's, it's so frustrating, too, because, you know, the Chiefs have, have won some games that they probably should have lost, but they also, they really, really, really should have beaten. You know, the Bengals, really all of those games, I could point to moments. Travis Kelsey's fumble, the drive following, Chris Jones hey, sacking Josh Hey, man, Allen. things are going, hey, hey what'd, you, what'd you just say to him? Hey! I can't keep tracking what's in my face anyway. <laughs> you talking to the quarterback? Yeah. They yeah. told me the Colts they told me, game, this they game told me should pro- be largely irrelevant for the Chiefs. They told it's- me protect the quarterback at all costs, young male. What are you saying about his mama? Yeah. Matt Ryan was the quarterback in Atlanta for years during bad years. No one could say anything to him that he has not been said, said to him before. That man has been through enough. But anyway... I just want to say I'm excited. Like you said, you're distracted. You're painting up your face. I I I got a uh, a tiger costume for Kiko, our, our blue dealer, <laughs> and we're gonna go hunt some buffalo before the game. Just Ooh, you know, love that. Bring, bring one down. You know, see, see, watch Kiko bring down one of the majestic beasts. <laughs> so that's a that's a great. Okay, so well, this oh, is huh? Now I got to think about beast. this because I've I've tweeted about this with all the appropriate context. Is that um, that Renee and I currently are uh, are are watching and, and rehabbing and then going to release three wonderful possums. That's currently a real thing happening in our life. And I definitely don't I don't want to make a joke about painting them with tiger stripes because I feel like that would get some sort of wildlife agency at my door. And I've really been trying to avoid that. Uh, but maybe I just maybe I just go get, maybe I simply get a live tiger. 
I, Renee would be fine. Look, we've crossed the Rubicon of having possums in our backyard on purpose. We could probably throw a tiger back there, I guess. Yeah, probably just for I one night. Rent a tiger. Possums. Just no, 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 no. The possums, the possums will stay in their crate. So they're they're good. I think. I think that's probably fine. Yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't. I don't. I don't see why I wouldn't either. I can't see anything right now because of all the face paint in my eyes. Uh, it's very hard to do without a mirror doing it during the podcast. But you mm. know, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> I am head to toe like the Jags mascot in that game a few weeks ago. But it is just orange <laughs> with black stripes, baby. Leaving very little to the imagination. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. Uh, follow us. Uh, I'll follow you. Follow all of us on socials. That's easy. You can read Seth's work. Uh, up on the mnchiefsfan.substack.com newsletter. Uh, and then, of course, theathletic.com slash times ours if you're not already subscribed or if you'd like to give the gift of The Athletic, theathletic.com slash times ours to read all of Nate's content over there as well. And, uh, you know, you can leave a review on the podcast if you're feeling frisky. We wondered how we were going to get to an hour of talking about the Broncos. Look at us here going way over an hour once again because we have no self-control and start talking about Chris Jones. Um, Hooday, chili and noodles, my favorite food of all time. Um, I think I saw Sarah Jessica Parker was maybe born or from Cincinnati, if that's the case. Favorite actress of all time. And uh, anyone else from Cincinnati, I, you know, just all my love as a fellow lifelong Cincinnati and, and huge Bengals fan. With that being said, Nate, save me. Oh. So you you telling me that everybody born because uh, they said it was past interference? But we in New Orleans. I know, right? But like, <laughs> why is Sean Payton yelling at me, dog? He moving so fast. They playing for the Super Bowl. I just, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I didn't see pass interference. Did you see it? <laughs> Game moving kind of fast, Rick. Well, dang. I, I, I just think we should play the next down. <laughs> they don't have cameras in here, right? <laughs> <laughs>